Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And sometimes you, as in my podcast listeners, recommend, intentionally or not, the best podcast ideas. And today is one of those examples. Sometimes I ask people for, hey, do you have any ideas for uh, an idea for a podcast or this or that or the other thing? But if somebody asked me a question, apparently I had not been succinct enough in describing something, asked me a clarifying question, and I said, that is a fantastic podcast idea. And today's one of those cases um, took a bit of a nap, woke up, and checked my Twitter feed. Someone had asked me, the, I, I, had, I have recently posted on Twitter my, well, not my list, my list, the Fangraphs list of farm values. And the Cubs had started the year 18th. They crept up to 17th, then dropped back down to 18th. Um, some, someone was asking, what, what the heck are these numbers? Because, you know, when, you, when it's obvious you want the numbers to get higher, then the numbers start getting higher and you start passing up teams. Well, that's good. That's cool. But what is this? What does this mean? What does this 259 mean? What, what specifically does this 259 mean? Fangraphs is a highly respected source for assessing talent. Assessing talent at the major league level, assessing level at the minor league level. They're probably even reasonably good at assessing talent in the SEC or the ACC or anything along those lines. They... Eric Longenhagen is one of the drivers. Kylie McDaniel is another of the drivers. Both uh, McDaniel has worked, I think, with at least four major league organizations. Longenhagen, I'm not entirely sure what his deal is, but I he, he's very well respected as well. And they went worked on a book, Future Value. If you think some of what I'm talking about seems to kind of make a little sense, but you'd like to have somebody who actually has history behind them to say, yeah, that, that makes sense, check out Future Value from your library. I listened to it online, and it was riveting. And it went through the entire process of assessing talent. You go out to... Imagine you were going to go out to a high school baseball game this afternoon. Now, it's not necessarily your local high school team against another team's high school. It's high school kids. High school kids going at you. Well, let's say they're good high school teams. Maybe even like uh, combinations of different high schools. Possibly 
a couple of teams combined together and uh, one from North Carolina and one from Arkansas. Just whatever, you know, best kids in a 15 mile range, whatever it is. You get them together. You're watching these two kids, these two teams out playing. How would you determine if, wow, this kid looks like he can play a little bit. Now, you, you're, the, the end point is this kid can play a little bit. How would you have decided that? How would you have determined that? For instance, like if you were watching a high school pitcher, you look around, you notice there's like 10, 15 scouts around. You're not the only person watching this game. There's some talent here. And you're watching, and the pitcher makes a pitch, and the scouts, after the pitch, all start grinning madly and writing things in their book. What probably just happened? If you're watching kids play, if you're watching high school kids play, what you're trying to assess is largely the measurables. How fast does this kid throw? Meh. He's a junior in high school. He's already throwing 93 miles an hour. Hmm. That's not bad. That, that seems fairly good. Seems fairly good. And this other kid, he's a hitter. The, the other pitch was thrown 91. This guy turned the fastball around. Didn't pull it. Right-handed hitter. He didn't pull it, but he took it to right center for 385 feet. Nice pitch, too. I think I'm going to jot that down in my book. What Fangraphs does is watches players at any sort of specific level. High school, college, wherever. They have, they have people out looking. They have people assessing. And they start to put numbers on skills. This kid has a 60 fastball. This guy has 60 speed assessing measurables. Now, you're not going to have complete agreement. You're not going to have complete... Uh, not every player who starts off well will end up well. You know that and I know that, but what you're trying to do is assess which guys look like they're probably worth taking gambles on. For instance, if you're watching a kid who is a college junior, draft eligible, college junior, and his speed is very ordinary, his glove is rather ordinary, his power, he probably couldn't hit the ball out of a phone booth. Um, you hit him a ball... He's likely to boot it as not. 
There's just really nothing he's particularly good at. But he's on a fairly good team because they need a guy to play that position. That guy's probably not going to get drafted. He has very little future value. Future value is the entire premise of the book. Future value is the entire premise of a large chunk of Fangraphs. Future value. How good is this player eventually going to be? What Fangraphs does is they base things on, as best as possible, players who have done this specific thing before. How good are they generally on average in the future? Gonna try that again. Players who have done this before, how well do they usually end up in the future? So, for instance, we will take a Brennan Davis of the people who are, was he 19 turning 20? Or is he 20 turn 21? Well, one of the two, whatever. He, he's younger than the league. H however old he is, that have played as well as he has played in double A. Of players who have done that, how good do they generally end up being? Leave Brennan Davis entirely out of it. Leave Chicago Cubs entirely out of it. You have, of the players who have done what he has already done. How well do they end up playing? There are not really a whole lot of those. And normally a lot of them have ended up doing rather well. Because of that, Brennan Davis has a very high, very high future value. The Cubs acquired Reggie Preciado in the U Darvish trade over the offseason. Late, 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 late 2020. Of the players throughout baseball history, as we know it, of the players who have accomplished what Reggie Preciado has accomplished up to his current age, was he 18, 19? 18? I think he's 18. Um, what is the average future value that those players have? Now, which players have done and look like and represented Preciado? Again, if I was completely omniscient, I could probably list you off about 100 players that have, well, yeah, it's pretty close to Preciado. Yeah, it's close to Preciado. Pretty close to Preciado. About um, Kevin Alcantara acquired last week in the Anthony Rizzo trade. He's a six foot six center fielder that has been in the compound league. Little bit of swing and miss question, but when he hits it, it goes really far, and he can play center field, and he runs like the wind. Um. You know, th those are some positive attributes for a baseball player. Of the players throughout history who are like Kevin Alcantara, what does that, on the average, boil out to? So let's say you have a group of 10 players. There are these 10 players 
that are exactly like this guy has been. Eight of them played Major League Ball. Two of them didn't. Between them, they averaged... Let's say, which I, I, I'm not even going to say which player I'm talking about. You, know, you get 10 players that have been in that player's situation. On average, on average, those 10 players have a career wins above at the major league level of 8.5. Of those 10 players, their average is 8.5. Is 10 players enough of an average, uh, enough of a sample for you to put? And I expect this guy to have an 8.5 future um, future career at the major league level. Maybe yes, maybe no. What if it's 100? Is that enough for you to say, I'm confident to put an 8.5 range on this player? Maybe yes, maybe no. But that's what Fangraphs does. They look at the, what do we know about this player? What's his fastball? What's his curveball? Uh, what position does he play? Is he right-handed, left-handed? How's the swing and miss? How does he command the strike zone? All these kind of things get thrown in. And with all the everything getting assessed, the players get a future value rating. Remember that guy who I said, you know, he can't hit, can't throw, can't do anything? He, he's a 20. He's a 20. He's not, you know, whether... He might even get drafted. He might even get drafted. He might get a uh, free agent offer after the draft. and so, Or he might go to independent ball, do really well there against players who aren't even quite as good as he is, and then get signed to it. But... Those aren't the guys that Fangraphs is going to be sweating over. The guys that can't play, the guys that are completely marginal, those are the guys that are 20s, 25s, 30s. The guys that are at least worth contemplating are the guys that are the 30s, the 30s pluses, the 35s and the 35 pluses and the higher up than that. And depending upon what the player's ranking is and whether the player is a pitcher or a hitter, he gets a future value from fan graphs because that's how they flow. That's how they do things. So if they have decided a hitter is a 40-plus Everyone who is a hitter that has a 40-plus value adds a certain amount to his team's organization. 40-plus hitter. I am not going to look it up, but uh, six million? Something like that. They have figured if guy is a 40-plus throughout the years, if he, some guys are going to figure it out and be fantastic. A lot of them are going to struggle to do well past AAA. Some won't even reach AA. Some will do fantastically well. Some will do less so. But the more talent the Cubs 
add. The more talent that Fangraph said, you know, that that's a guy that we're going to have to keep an eye on. That guy over there is a guy that could be very dangerous. This guy over here, he throws really hard. His command's not there yet, but if he irons a few things out, he could be very interesting. So all these players that the Cubs had from years ago or just recently picked up in the draft or traded for last week, the entire pipeline is assessed on the 2080 scale. And players who are 35 plus or better on the Fangraphs value system, 35 plus or better, add value to the organization per the Fangraphs setup. Per the Fangraphs setup. So, which, um, when I look at the, I'll run down the list. I've, I've run down the list in a couple other podcasts before. But as of today, this morning, a uh, little bit on that after I'm done. Third place, Pittsburgh, $345 million. Fourth place, Arizona, 291 So that's kind of a drop-off, isn't it? $345 down to 291 That's a bit of a drop. Most of the drops aren't going to be nearly that far. Five, Seattle, 286, 291 down to 286. Cleveland, 278, Detroit, 277, San Francisco, 263, Chicago, 259, Miami, 254, Minnesota, 240. So I'm going to run through it one more time now that you've heard them once. Pittsburgh, 345, Arizona, 291. Seattle, 286, Cleveland, 278, Detroit, 277, San Francisco, 263, Cubs, 259, Miami, 254, Minnesota, 240. So all of the players that qualify as prospects have a certain value a value that they add if they are above, if they are a 35 plus or above. And some players soon will be graduating. So, for instance, when Jordan Kelnick is no longer considered a rookie, his value for the Seattle Mariners, who are at 286, his value will be will be removed from the farm value because he is no longer considered a prospect. And Seattle's number will drop. Detroit, 277. Matt Manning is probably about two or three starts away from no longer being considered a rookie. Just like at the start of the year, Edward Elzele was considered a rookie. He's no longer considered a rookie. He was removed. You know, kind of like uh, Jenga blocks, you pull them out. The The entire structure continues to stay, but with the um, Jenga blocks gone, then... It's a it's a different structure that's similar but not the same as it had been. So if Manning, well, when Manning drops off, so will Detroit's. When Kelnick drops off, so will Seattle's. The Cubs have nobody who's graduating. Cubs have nobody who's graduating. The the closest to graduating the Cubs have are Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele. First off, they're still quite a ways away from graduating. And second off, even if they do graduate, 
they're not really going to subtract a whole lot anyway because they are not toward the top. So the Cubs at 9, their 259 really shouldn't drop off very much. And if you've been listening to my uh, podcast recently, there are Starlin Pichardo is a youngster who's pitched eight innings in the Dominican Summer League. Small sample alert, small sample alert, small sample alert. Uh, Eight innings of scoreless baseball in the Dominican Summer League at 17 years old. To me, that sounds like a guy who might be uh, somewhere on the future value list because if you've pitched eight innings of scoreless ball at anything and you're only 17 years old and you're playing against guys who are 19, 20, yeah, you might be okay. Um, uh, Caleb Killian, who was acquired in the Bryant trade. Um, I really think he's one of those guys who kind of slipped through the cracks because he was an eighth round pick out of college, Texas Tech, and didn't really look like, there really wasn't a whole lot of reason to consider him a prospect. But then all of a sudden he's getting people out at the double A level. If you're getting people out at the double A level, you're a prospect. I don't care. I I don't care. If you're a reliever, if you're a starter, if you're getting people out on pure knuckleballs or whatever, if you have an ERA under two and a half at the double A level, you got something going on. You probably deserve being considered a valid prospect. And people miss things. You know, it's like, well, some guys fall in at 35. Some guys fall in at 30. And if you're at 35 or you're at 30, then you don't qualify on the list. DJ Hers, for whatever reason, they didn't have DJ Hers on the list. Okay, you know, I I probably would have included him. Could have been an oversight. Could be they thought, wow, he's a 35 almost plus. But he's not a 35 plus. You know, he's really on the verge. We know he exists, but there's just that something. We're not buying him. So, you know, they they go out and the guy who's going to turn in the list the next day, he has a bad outing. It's like, nope, 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 nope. He's not a 35 plus. He's a 35. He's not going to be on the list. Okay, it's fine. No worries. The, the important thing is how they develop long-term. Um, I talk about the fan graph list and I will quite often because they do the homework I'm not going to do. They're going to look, they're going to check. So if I refer to some player as a 50 on the fan graphs list, A, that's kind of impressive. And B, I'm going to stick to it. And if you don't quite grasp the 2080 scale, that's cool. Go read the Fangraphs, or go read the Future Value book. I ran into it on audiobook. It was sensational. Nice Javier Baez story late. And um, it, very educational. Very educational. What teams are actually looking for now how different teams are doing different things. I should probably listen to that thing again. Um, yeah, I'll probably listen to that again uh, this off season because it was a really nice listen. Uh, what, I'm going to say 15, 18 hours long. So I, I don't know if that's really long for you to consider or really short for you to consider, but it's not like it's a, uh, oh, who was that guy who wrote the obscenely long books you know i'll, I'll put it to you so it, it's not like an Anne rand novel it, it's not keeps going and going and going and going you start you know you 
start reading it or you start listening to it and you look at the clock saying, I've been listening to this for seven and a half hours. It seems like 20 minutes. Um, it, it's really well written, walks you through a lot of things that maybe you need have need to be walked through. Maybe you don't, but they do a very nice job. Um, so yeah, when I talk about the farm value of teams, that's basically what I'm talking about. How does Fangraphs value the Cubs pipeline? You might be more of a Baseball America type, a more of a baseball perspectives type, but the reality is about the same. For a long time, the Cubs did not have the capability, apparently, to develop interesting pitchers. And at the same time, they were bringing in a whole lot of pitchers that they weren't developing into exciting pitchers, into exciting baseball players. You know, they'd bring in a Rabzestrizny. They'd bring in... There were a whole bunch... Some of them reached major leagues. But there weren't a whole lot of them that were in the... um, Scouting community considered interesting, weren't considered all that exciting. Recently, they've changed that. And with this rebuild, Christian Christian Hernandez is a a rather big part of it. Um, Preciado, Owen Casey, Isaiah, uh, Ismael Mena, all a part of it. And as the players in the pipeline develop. Will the number go up? Will the number go down? Hmm, I don't know. They've had quite a few injuries this year. That's tamped the number down to an extent. I don't know when the next major rewrite will be, but I cut the list off at 11 because when I was looking at the list, 12 on the list was, I think, the Mets who their list still had Kumar Rocker on it. Kumar Rocker is not in the Mets organization. He was not signed. Judd Fabian, who who slipped my mind the last time, was drafted by Boston, but was not signed by Boston. Judd Fabian had been on the Boston list. He should not be on the list because he's not with Boston anymore. So once those two have been taken off and the numbers rejiggered. Then I'll write down who are 12 and 13. But those are the two main players from the July draft. I wanted to say June. You have no idea how much I wanted to say June. The July draft. Those are two players from the July draft who have been removed from their pipelines on the Fangraphs list. And once those two have been removed, then... um new teams will be in the 12 and 13 slot. Listening to or watching minor league Cubs games gives you the best possible read on how these players are doing. Caleb Killian will probably pitch Tuesday or Wednesday for the Tennessee Smokies. How will Caleb Killian do? Well, of course we all want him to do well. At least those of us who are either fans of Caleb Killian or fans of the Chicago Cubs. Because if the Cubs have a guy in double A who's pitching well enough to already be in triple A, 
that that would be a good thing. So, um, yeah, if Caleb Killian does well, if Bryce Ball does well, if Ed Howard does well, if Jordan Wogu does well, all of the pieces that fit together to be the Cubs pipeline, the better those pieces in general do, the better the pipeline is looking. And if it's a case of with a minor league team, you happen to flip on a South Bend game. South Bend Cubs game. And South Bend's leading 7-2. Burl Caraway comes in to pitch the 8th. Pitches a flawless 8th. 7-2 to the ninth inning. All they have to do is finish again. And the Cubs bring in a reliever. And the South Bend Cubs bring in a reliever who maybe he's well-regarded, maybe he's not well-regarded, but he just has a bad outing, and the South Bend Cubs end up losing. In Major League Baseball, oh, no! Because winning and losing is everything. Winning and losing in Major League Baseball is everything. And if that's your mindset, that winning and losing is everything, then that's your mindset. It's not mine. When the Cubs had their game on Sunday and Rafael Ortega hit three home runs, drove in five, Cubs lost the game. Rafael Ortega developed. That's a good thing. Yeah, the Cubs lost. Manny Rodriguez did not place a fastball in the spot that he should have, and they got hit for a home run. Cubs lose. Sucks. But there's development. For me, development is the thing. Is this player getting better? Last time, he was rated a 40. Next time, what's he going to be rated? Is he going to still be rated a 40? Or is he going to be rated a 40 plus? Did they see that development? He's doing better than he was before. We're going to move him to a 40 plus. When the next set of numbers come out. Right now, the Cubs are at 259. By, oh, let's say Christmas. By Christmas. They'll certainly have updated by Christmas. Something. Let 259 go up. Will that 259 go up? Will the Cubs be, well, when Manning disappears from the list, the Cubs will be eight. When Kelnick disappears from the list, they might sneak past Seattle. I, I don't know who's going to be leaving when, but the Cubs 259 looks relatively solid, especially if the players the Cubs have do well. Yes, the 259 is a fabricated number, but Fangraphs does a good enough job of showing their homework so that the fabricated 259 number actually packs a wallop. There's something behind that. When Brennan Davis jumped from a 50 ranking to a 60 ranking, the Cubs vaulted. Because a 50 to a 60 is huge. So now, as the Mesa Cubs continue their season,
if Kevin Alcantara and Reggie Preciado and Owen Casey continue to do well, or if one or more of them get called up to Mesa and do well there, do you think that will help or harm the Cubs number? Oh, yeah, you know the answer to that. If they're doing well, if they're improving the number, at least for them, goes up. And if the Cubs prospects numbers in general tend to go up, that's going to be a good thing. Maybe Christian Morrell gets a call up to Iowa and does well enough in Iowa to represent that the last couple of games of the major league season, maybe the last five or six games, Christian Morrell gets to start for the Chicago Cubs. And he does okay. Say he plays in six games, plays in six games, starts four of them. It's three hits. I don't know what Morrell is ranking now. I think he's about up to 45? Maybe he's a 40-plus. I think he's a 40-plus. Let's say he's a 40-plus. And he makes it to the major leagues. He does. Hey, okay. This guy looks like he could actually play here. Again, if players do well, the farm value goes up. And with the additions, not just from last week, the Cubs pipeline rankings, they were, the Cubs pipeline was laughed at. As recently as last December, as recently as last December, the Cubs pipeline was considered horrible. High 20s, low 20s, mid 20s. Maybe creeping into the teens if somebody was really generous. But right now I'm looking, they're ninth. They're ninth. Detroit is going to drop below them. Seattle may drop below them. And the Cubs have nobody that's graduating. The Cubs system is not laughably bad now. If you're reading information from December and nothing sooner than that, this market changes. This market changes. You're reading a Wall Street Journal article from, I don't know, 2013. This market changes. The Cubs pipeline right now is in good shape. Does that mean the Cubs are going to have three or four or five uh, league minimum all-stars in the next three or four years? No, that definitely does not mean that. But they're closer to having that happen now than they were in November, December when the pipeline was getting laughed at. Let's say... Um, Manny Rodriguez is generally pretty good for the rest of this season. Do you think that's going to push up his value or push down his value. Tommy Nance gets back up. Does okay. Does really well. I think that's going to push up his value or down his value. The players in the pipeline, the players that haven't graduated yet, 
but are playing at the major league level. If they are representing well, their value goes up. If their value goes up, in general, so does the farm value. The farm value is a proxy on what the future looks like for the team. Future doesn't look bad. The future doesn't look bad. And if you're listening to a South Bend game or a Myrtle Beach game or checking a Mesa or Dominican League game online, check the box score. Somebody has a good day. That could help the farm value. People who are only concerned with the major league club are not going to buy this. They are not going to buy this. You are talking in fantasy. You're not going to change your mind. You're not going to change your mind. The people on Facebook who were saying the Cubs traded three legends and all they got back were bad players. Pete Crow Armstrong is a bad player. Well, that's a take. That's a take. I'm not going to say Pete Crow Armstrong is going to be really good, but it's sure... uh, uh, Ballsy take if you believe in reality to say that um, Pete Crow Armstrong is a bad baseball player. He's not. He's not. He was doing very well at the alternate site. He was doing very well in spring training. He's not a bad baseball player. He's not a familiar name. He's not someone that Cub fans have glommed onto yet. He's not a bad baseball player. Farm values are about the future. Most baseball fans are about the absolute present. Talking future value is alien to a lot of fans. Alien. Absolutely alien. Because for most people, baseball is watching the Cubs game on Marquee Network on ESPN, on Fox, on whatever channel it is. There is more. There is more. People aren't necessarily going to pay attention. And you're not going to be able to sway their mind. Tell you this, though, in closing, finally. (laughs) Uh, Back in 2012, I caught a whole lot of flack from a whole lot of people whole lot of flack from a whole lot of people when I said the following repeatedly and they did not like it. For the Chicago Cubs, games in 2012 through 2014, I was saying this in 2012, maybe even 2011, Chicago Cubs games in 2012 through 2014 will be of less importance than Chicago Cubs games between 2015 and 2017. And people were livid. How can you say that? Because I was right. 2013 games, nobody cared. 
2014 games, really, nobody cared. Oh, man, you know, how many more times are we going to send out um, Cody Ransom batting fifth? Why, when's it? It will change when internally those players are no longer needed. It will change when those players are no longer needed. When are the Cubs going to quit going out and getting these free agent pitchers for a year and trading them in July? They're going to do that when those players are no longer necessary. And sure enough, at some point, Cubs had Jake Arrieta. Cubs had Kyle Hendricks. Cubs went out and signed John Lester. They no longer needed to bring in guys that they're planning on trading in July. Why? Because the team was actually good. Games in 2021 aren't going to matter. Games in 2022, if there are games in 2022, really, for the Cubs, they're not going to matter that much. They're just not. Twenty twenty three might be a bit like twenty fourteen. Start of the year might be a bit depressing, but then towards the end, some of the players are going to start arriving. When will a Brennan Davis be ready? I don't know. I don't know if there are going to be games next year. But Brennan Davis will be fun to follow next year. Brennan Davis will be very fun to follow. But, but if there's a strike, if there's no games, no, 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 there are going to be games. There are going to be college games. There are going to be minor league games. You can follow minor league games if you want, even if there's a strike, even if there's a lockout. If you like baseball enough, if you like Cubs baseball enough, feel free to follow the iCubs. Follow Tennessee Smokies. I took to it. Took to it like a fish to water, and I can't even swim. Future value is a projection that could be wrong on how the current players in a pipeline will probably produce at the major league level. Cubs have the ninth best system going now. Part of that is because of trades from last week. Trades that are very popular as of this week, and I'm not even pushing it. I'm not even pushing it. Because there are a lot of people for whom that is a serious, possibly even fatal wound. I'm not pushing it. If Kevin Alcantara, if Pete Crow Armstrong, if Caleb Killian, if if the players acquired do well, Cubs will be fine. Not in 2021. But that's the entire plan. Thanks for stopping by. Um... I seem to have run run on a bit long. I was this was supposed to be a fifteen minute podcast, not a forty five minute podcast. But hey, there you go. Uh, when you talk about things that you care about, um, be safe, be nice to others, and pick a Cubs pipeline game to listen to this week. There's six different days that there will be minor league games. There's four different full season affiliates. Take a hiatus from the Chicago Cubs. Take a hiatus from the Chicago Cubs and pick a minor league game. Right now, right now, whichever game you grab, whichever game you grab, you very well might have one of the recently acquired players playing. 
And if you get one of these games, hey, Tim, I was listening to the Myrtle Beach game and, hey, fill me in on it. I wasn't listening to that game entirely. I had the Tennessee game on. I was with the Smokies. I was with the South Bend game. I had Alex on. There are four games every night weather pending. Pick a game. And if you pick the wrong game, and maybe South Bend is down eight to one in the second inning. And I picked the wrong game. Change games. I do it all the time. You're not required to listen to the same game front to finish. If you're trying to educate yourself on a pipeline, pick a game that's compelling. You're going to learn more from, from a game that's three to one, four to two, than you are from a game that is 17 to one. Pick a game that's close. If you guessed wrong, switch games. You'll have an announcer you prefer. You'll have a prospect you prefer. Listen to them. Listen to what works for you. Listen to what works for you and learn things. Learn things because quite a few baseball people really don't want to learn things. They want to do what they have done historically and... Learning isn't necessarily a part of that. Pick a game. Take note of which announcers you particularly prefer. Listen to them more often. Take note of which prospects move the needle for you. Listen to them play more. And I'm at the point when all four games are starting at 6 or 6.30. I'm a basket case. Which game do I choose? Which game do, do, do I, do I want to listen? Quite, quite often now what I've been doing is listening to the hitters. South Bend is retired. Okay, uh, who's due up for... Um, I, I'm going to jump to the Smokies game now. Ed Howard's due up. I want to listen to Myrtle Beach. Ooh, Jordan Wogu's coming up in a couple minutes. I better listen to that at bat. Ooh, Bryce Ball. Bryce Ball's going to hit. And uh, the the South game was, South Bend game on Sunday was funny because um, Alexander Canario was hitting second and Bryce Ball was hitting fifth. No, can't have them close together. Got to have them like an inning apart. So regardless where the South Bend game was, they were about ready to come up, and it was like a 13 to 12 final. So I wanted to hear, how, how, how are they doing? Um, yeah, there are so many players in the Cubs pipeline worth listening to. So many players worth listening to. And the announcers are good. And frankly, if you end up playing Oppo Radio and listening to the other team's announcers, they're generally pretty good as well. I do apologize for this running on so long. I've cut myself off and extended myself and interrupted myself enough. And um, thanks for sticking around. Have a great day and pick a Cubs pipeline game to listen to. So you actually have some personal connections. I heard that game where that guy hit that grand slam. I was listening when that guy had an immaculate inning.
I was listening when Ethan Roberts debuted in Iowa. Spoiler alert. Pick a game. If you are just starting and you've never listened to a minor league game before, never listened to a minor league game before, and you're afraid to ask, which game should I listen to? Which game best fits me? I'm most used to the Chicago Cubs, but I want to start getting to know the minor league system a little bit better. Here's my pro tip. Listen to Alex Cohen. Alex Cohen is a fantastic announcer. He also merges everything in with how it ties into the Major League Club. If he... When Manny Rodriguez spent his short time in tennis, uh, in Des Moines. Actually, I don't know, know that he even pitched in Des Moines. He was in Iowa for such a short while. Alex Cohen had heard some stuff. I told him some stuff. Other people had told him some stuff. But he likes to be convinced on what he's seen, on what he sees in a game. And he was about three outings in before he was saying, this guy doesn't belong here. This guy belongs in Chicago. It's not a case of Alex Cohen is, ooh, 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 I want to keep all these players for my team. So I No, he, he knows how it works. If a guy in AAA belongs in Major League Baseball, he'll say, this guy belongs in Major Leagues. This guy shouldn't be here. This guy should be up a level. This guy should get promoted. Not that other announcers don't say that, but if you are more interested in, historically, the Chicago Cubs than the pipeline, listen to Alex Cohen. After you've listened to Alex Cohen call two or three games, then pick another game. Pick another level. Mick Gillespie does a great job in Tennessee. The South Bend crew is, I think, four people, and they're all capable, competent, good at their jobs. And Sam Wiederhoft does the home games in Myrtle Beach. Don't be afraid to jump around. There is nobody watching over your shoulder, threatening to steal your Cubs fan credibility card if you decide, I'm going to listen to a South Bend game tonight. There, that does not exist. There is no ogre going house to house, ripping credibility cards from people because they listen to minor league games. If you learn more about the pipeline, you are a better informational asset. You can push back at me. Hey, Tim, I was listening to that game. Here's what I heard. I love pushback like that. That's fun. That's fun when somebody adds to my knowledge base. Pick a minor league game this week to listen to. Pick a minor league game to listen to. You will hear something about someone who is on the list. Right now the Cubs are ninth on their farm value list. If you listen to minor league games, you will learn about players. You will hear a whole bunch of names that you've never heard of before. But if you're trying to listen to understand, 
It's a completely different take on professional baseball than most people have. I think it's fun. Have a great day.